This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. The most memorable interviews and listener calls from the week that was on Fight Back with Libby Snymer. Welcome to the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Best of Fight Back. More of what you want to hear from the week that was. In less than six weeks, we Ontarians go to the polls in the first provincial election in four years. Premier Doug Ford has been campaigning for re-election unofficially in recent weeks, making a total of $11 billion in new spending announcements since March 1st. And that's before the budget is announced this coming Thursday and the campaign begins for real. Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca has also been making some campaign-style announcements and joined me to talk about them on Wednesday. We have seen uh, here in the city of Toronto, but frankly in other parts of Ontario as well over the last number of months, that community safety is a top-of-mind concern for so many residents as we see heartbreaking stories of gun crimes being committed, people not just being injured, but tragically losing their lives to gun violence. That's why Ontario Liberals announced yesterday that if elected come June 2nd, uh, we will work with our federal and municipal partners to deliver a handgun ban in this province within one year of taking office. Uh, I'm really proud of that. You know, we saw just this past weekend, we saw five individual men coming out of evening prayers at a mosque in Scarborough. And all five of them randomly shot as they were literally just walking through the parking lot, uh, going about their uh, going about their business. This is unacceptable to me, and we've seen the numbers moving in the wrong direction. Uh, we've we've heard clearly from the Ford Conservatives they have no interest in moving in that direction. They've fought the federal government with respect to restricting uh, guns that can that can harm people, and so we're going to take decisive action in partnership with the other levels of government to deliver the handgun ban. Today, I, I went out to talk about the, the continuing racism, intolerance, uh, the hatred, the discrimination that we still have in the province of Ontario, and the Ontario Liberal plan to, 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 to fight each of these um, really grave concerns. So, for example, an Ontario Liberal government would, uh, would, would end streaming in our publicly funded schools in both grade 9 and grade 10. The Ford Conservatives have only confirmed that they would do it for grade 9. Uh, we also talked about the supporting financially and, and through other capacity-building measures, supporting the hiring up of more police officers across this province who are from underrepresented and racialized communities. I think that's so important that people see themselves reflected in our police services. And I also want to talk really quickly about the ongoing training that we would provide for our police services with respect to de-escalation, anti-racism efforts, mental health, and and so on. So those are just some of the ideas that we put out in the last couple of days that I'm really proud of what we've, we've, we've created. Uh, where a lot of these crimes are happening with uh, smuggled illegal handguns, how does a handgun ban work to get rid of those particular weapons from uh, the criminals who you know are bringing them in illegally to begin with? Well, I think sometimes we allow ourselves, and I say this so respectfully, to fall into the trap of, of believing that every single gun crime in this province is committed only with what's known, as you put it, an, an illegal gun. There's a lot of there's a lot of talk out there. I, I was asked this question repeatedly by reporters yesterday. There's a couple of things to keep in mind. So 
by the government, the Ford Conservative government's own response to my announcement yesterday, they talked about how somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 percent of gun crimes and gun violence in Ontario are committed using illegal guns, not illegal, but legal guns. We saw a really heartbreaking story back, I think it was April the 12th, two individual men in the city of Toronto, a 21-year-old and a 35-year-old who were randomly killed uh, by an individual who, when police arrested him, they discovered that he had an arsenal of legal guns in his disposal, in his collection, if I can put it that way. So I want to be really clear about this for your audience. I'm not suggesting the handgun ban on its own will resolve the problem. I've never said that. But we we have a, a willing federal partner right now in the federal government that has said clearly they'll work with provinces either by empowering them, by passing federal legislation, or by doing it directly through the federal legislative process to actually say who wants to deliver a province-by-province handgun ban. I think we do have to, to, to we, we do have to make investments so that we are stopping the inflow of illegal guns. I think we have to do it all. And what we've seen from the Ford Conservatives is just a refusal to go at the handguns that are legally owned, uh, that are that are being used in the commission of crime. So I, I want to attack it all. But what's different right now is that we have a federal partner who's asking the provinces who is willing to lead. And as premier, we will lead here in Ontario on the handgun ban. Ontario Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. NDP leader Andrea Horvath had a prior commitment on Wednesday, so was unable to join us after we spoke with Stephen Del Duca. But one of her longtime MPPs, Peter Tabins, did listen in to the Liberal leader's plans and offered his reaction. Was not a fan of uh, Stephen Del Duca when he was a cabinet minister, and I'm not a fan of him as head of the Liberal Party. Uh, I'm aware that he's come out saying that there should be a ban on handguns in Ontario, and and I have to ask, where was he? Where was his party for the 15 years they were in power when we were seeing thousands of firearm discharges in in our cities? Uh, it just doesn't add up to me. I think that we had an experience with the Liberals. Uh, it was one that led to them being thrown out quite soundly in the last election. And I don't think that people are prepared to go back to them at this point. Peter, you have a bill in the works to crack down on smuggling of handguns in Ontario. Tell us about that. Uh, Jane, yes. People may... Uh, may be aware that we have a huge problem with guns being smuggled in from the United States. And uh, we've had ongoing concern about this. One of the things that was striking to me in the last year or two was that the government of Mexico uh, is facing the same problem. And they've done a pretty deep analysis, and they're now suing major gun manufacturers in the United States who they allege are facilitating helping uh, that supply line of illegal guns from their factories through dodgy or sketchy arms dealers, uh, through people who are buying guns really just on the edge of legality in the United States and having them flow into Mexico. Um, when you look at the kinds of problems that have been assessed in the past by Canadian journalists, uh, we're looking at pretty much the same sort of supply line. And so we in the NDP had proposed that the provincial government uh, follow the lead of Mexico, assess the problem that we're facing with illegal guns 
well, frankly, legal handguns, that's the heart of the problem, uh, coming into Canada and initiate legal action just as we did around uh, tobacco, uh, around the opioid crisis. Uh, we need to put pressure on arms companies that see a market that they can supply with illegal handguns. We need to put pressure on them so that they stop using us as a dumping ground and really putting people in this province at risk. Uh, Jane, you're well aware of some really terrible shootings we've had in this city. Um, we had one on the Danforth uh, in 2018, which was really traumatizing Horrific, for yeah. my community yeah. and resulted in deaths and, and lifelong injuries to people. Uh, we can act, and we were very surprised that the Ford Conservatives were not willing to come on board mm -hmm. and take action against this smuggling. Uh, I would have thought that they would be on board. I'd actually talked to a number of people, gun owners, right, actually rifle owners, uh, who said, why don't you do something about the smuggling of illegal guns? And when I talked to them about what we proposed, they said, yes, you know, that makes sense. There are a lot of responsible rifle owners. Uh, we're not interested in penalizing them, but this whole black market for guns that lead to the kind of crimes that we've experienced. Right. Yeah, let's go after them. So I, I was quite shocked that conservatives were not supportive. Because that was the situation with that firearm, right, in the 2018 shootings on yeah. the Danforth? Yeah. Well, it, it was, I gather, stolen from a gun store in Saskatchewan. Right. Uh, but uh, when you look at Metro Toronto police statistics, I think it was in 2016, something like 70% of the guns that they seized, they called them crime handguns, uh, were ones that were illegally imported. So we know we've got a problem with the United States pumping out large numbers of handguns, uh, funneling them through channels to us, and us having people shot and killed on the street. NDP energy critic Peter Tabbins, also the longtime MPP for the riding of Toronto Danforth. I'm Jane Brown, and this is Zuma Radio's Best of Fight Back. Coming up after the break, is the sixth wave coming to an end? We discuss with Ontario Scientific Director next. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Good isn't good enough. Make way for the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. With recent modeling suggesting that the number of Ontarians hospitalized with COVID-19 could surpass 3,000 by mid-May, a new Leger poll indicates one quarter of Canadians have been infected with the virus. Amid this, there is a new Moderna booster in the works. On Wednesday, I was joined by Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID Advisory Table, to discuss these topics and answer your questions. I started the conversation by asking where we're at with COVID hospitalizations and ICU cases. Right now, what we're seeing basically is uh, just baked in uh, the cases probably have peaked. Um, we see that in wastewater, but we also see it now uh, in uh, test positivity among healthcare workers. We start to come down a bit, means we continue to uh, go up during the next 
uh, perhaps 10 days or so still. End of the May, uh, end of the month, we might actually have reached the peak for a uh, hospital occupancy, perhaps a few days later for ICU occupancy. And I would hope that the peak will be below 2,500 in the wards. And um, we will see how where it, where it will be with the ICU. But again, I don't think that we will follow the yellow line on our uh, projection, which would be roughly 500 patients peak uh, in ICU. It's probably considerably lower than that, which would be good news. It also depends on us, of course. It was this day last week that you um, were speculating, uh, based on science, that that, uh, we had hit the peak of around 100,000 cases a day based on wastewater surveillance. Are we still at around 100,000? I'm just awaiting the new wastewater data coming in. Remember the long weekend, in addition, we had a snowstorm or snowstorms in the north, meaning everything is a bit delayed. Um, It seems as if we've reached a peak. Everything points towards that. I'm actually positive about this part. And uh, when you just uh, triangulate everything, what we know from the models, from wastewater, etc., then this peak will will be at around 100,000 infections per day indeed. Okay, so it's plateauing at about 100,000 a day. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so we don't know yet. I hope we start to come down. Right. Uh, stay tuned. In the afternoon, we might have new wastewater data. And again, I would like to have two or three uh, days more uh, more data, and then we'll see how it goes. Okay, fair. Um, you said this, it depends on us uh, as to where we get with hospitalizations and ICU cases during the sixth wave. You're talking about boosters, third and fourth shots, and masking, right? And about the Easter break, of course, the holidays, yes. But that has come and gone. So uh, there's, I mean, in terms of uh, what we can do going forward. Absolutely. I just uh, continue to, uh, to stay a bit careful, mask, avoid crowded indoor spaces. I think that's the most important part. And then, uh, yeah, uh, just if you haven't had your third dose, there are still people, you know, in their 60s and 70s and 80s who haven't had their third dose, by all means, get it. It uh, offers considerably more protection. And now, you know, in, in uh, higher age groups, it makes sense. If if not now, then when, you know, to get a fourth dose, if you're more than roughly three to four months after the third. I was intrigued by uh, Mayor John Tory's comments this morning. As you know, he contracted COVID and um, he's just finishing up his isolation. But he said he did have acute symptoms for about a day and a half. But he figured because he is triple vaxxed uh, that the symptoms were far less than they would have been otherwise. And he said he's happy to use himself as a commercial so that people will get their booster <laughs> shots. <laughs> oh, look, absolutely. It's First of all, uh, it's very variable, no. But a lot of people out there may not may not even actually understand that they've had COVID. You know, I, I think I talked about him. Our eight year old, he tested positive and was completely asymptomatic. No, um, we just uh, we just detected it because we did rapid tests um, because we wanted to meet with friends. So there will be a lot of people out there who don't have anything or very little. Others like like uh, Major John Tory, you know, a little bit, but not that much. But I also have, you know, just uh, uh, one of my uh, close colleagues, for example, right now, the entire family knocked out, and the parents actually are not that uh, not, not that good, and they, of course, it, it's just like a severe cold, mm-hmm. but still actually quite challenging. So it's all over the place, and a lot of people probably won't even notice that much anymore.
Dr. Peter Uni, Scientific Director of Ontario's COVID Science Advisory Table, my conversation with him on Wednesday. This is Zoomer Radio's Best of Fight Back. I'm Jane Brown. This past Friday was Earth Day, an annual tradition on April 22nd since 1970. The theme of this year's event, Invest in Our Planet, What Will You Do?, The day before Earth Day on Thursday, I was joined by a group of invested panelists to talk about climate change in Ontario and what we can do to slow it down going forward. Mike Schreiner is leader of the Ontario Green Party and MPP for Guelph. David Crombie, former mayor of Toronto and chair of Friends of the Golden Horseshoe. And Dr. Blair Feltmate is head of the Intact Center for Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo. Overall, the earth is heating up uh, due to the burning of fossil fuels. Over the period of the last 100 years or so, uh, the average uh, temperature on the planet is up about 1.1 degrees Celsius, which at first might not seem like a big deal. But when you consider that the difference between temperature on the planet today uh, versus an ice age is about 4 to 6 degrees Celsius, depending on where you set the stop and start dates, uh, being up 1.1 degrees Celsius in 100 years, directly attributable to the burning of fossil fuels, is uh, a pretty big deal. And uh, our trajectory in terms Mm -hmm. of uh, uh, continuing to pump CO2 emissions into the into the air uh, continues. So uh, we we have a real challenge in in, in that regard in trying to get greenhouse gas emissions down. The bottom line is climate change is effectively irreversible. It is here to stay, period. We can work to slow it down, uh, but we're not going to reverse it. So we also need to learn to adapt to the extreme weather risk that's that's on our doorstep today. Mike Schreiner, leader of the Ontario Green Party. So what shape are we in in Ontario relative to other areas of the world? Well, unfortunately, uh, over the last four years in Ontario, we've had a government in place that has dismantled most of the climate action plans that were in place and have been the process of dismantling many of the environmental protections uh, that protect us from extreme weather events. I'm thinking especially flooding when you look at the changes that were made to the way in which conservation authorities can uh, use science and evidence-based decision-making to, to help mitigate flood risk. And then the other challenge we're facing is, is the current government is promoting a sprawl agenda through the building, especially of Highway 413, which would pave over 200 or 2,000 acres of farmland, 400 acres of the Greenbelt, destroy uh, 65 wetlands that protect us from flooding. And transportation emissions are the largest source of climate pollution in the province. So if we keep sprawling out, not only is it going to make life less affordable for us in terms of, you know, finding an affordable place to call home near where where you work, um, but it's also paving over nature's ability to protect us from flooding and extreme weather events. And it increases climate pollution from the transportation sector. And so, you know, we've got to reverse course and protect farmland, protect wetland, protect the green space that protect us from extreme weather events and build communities that don't require long commutes and higher levels of pollution. Let's go over to David Crombie. Uh, Mike mentioned Highway 413. That is uh, a fight that you have been undertaking, spearheading an effort to stop Highway 413. What are your thoughts uh, as we approach Earth Day? Well, Mike clearly uh, 
pointed out the, what the uh, what the opportunities for change are, but certainly with 413, um, it, it is a disaster by any standard, uh, any standard that that uh, that involves our understanding of of uh, the future of our environment, the future of farmland. Uh, farmland is being absolutely gobbled up uh, in the last while for through sprawl, and 413 is another example, a late example almost uh, ahistorical because we thought we were by all of that, that we that we are now creating highways that's become sprawlways, places for for residential development and the building of housing. They don't call it that. They call it a highway, but it's really about building uh, new uh, residential, which is sprawl, which is uh, not sustainable in terms of the ecology or the economy or our financial ability to carry out municipal works. David Crombie, former mayor of Toronto and chair of Friends of the Golden Horseshoe. Mike Schreiner, leader of the Ontario Green Party and MPP for Guelph. And Dr. Blair Feltmate, head of the Intact Center for Climate Adaptation at the University of Waterloo. I'm Jane Brown, and you're listening to the best of Fight Back. Coming up, what you had to say about the week that was and the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Zoomer Radio, pulling no punches with the best of Fight Back with Jane Brown. Fight Back with Libby Snymer has the most informed guests on the week's hot topics. And we also rely on you for your valued opinions. Here are some of this week's best calls. Tibor phoned from Whitby with his thoughts on Liberal leader Stephen Del Duca's promise to ban handguns. Everybody's about how guns kill people, this and that, and ban them, ban the sales of bullets. Let me ask this question. How many of those gang- how many of them have bought from a store and is a registered gun owner? Zero. All these people, gangbangers, drug dealers, they will still keep getting their guns, whether it's banned or not, because they don't give a crap about being caught. Or if they are, they got uh, the high-priced lawyers, whatever, to get them out. So the only way to, to do it is completely ban possession, sale, anything, anything to do with handguns. Okay. And in my opinion, handguns are just used for shooting each other. Ron in Guelph also called in about Stephen Del Duca's proposed handgun ban. I am not a gun owner and I have never owned a gun. You know what? The liberals were in power for how many years? We've had uh, gun problems for how many years? And there was nothing ever said or done about it at that time. To me, um, Stephen Del Duca made a statement that, well, the conservatives, these are just election stunts. This whole thing with the uh, guns, it's a stunt to, to try and attract voters in the Toronto in any of the uh, 905 writings that tra- touch the Toronto border. People outside Toronto, northern Ontario, you don't need to hear any of this stuff. Um, it's, it's not going to be appealing to them. He's strictly trying to appeal to the people in the, uh, in the Toronto area. Barkley in Hamilton phoned about the idea to ban handguns. I'm completely against the idea of a total gun ban. It's The problem is not the legal gun owners, as I am. Um, the problem is the criminals and the crime. 
Uh, I am absolutely appalled at the fact that nobody mentions legal gun owners are, uh, we go through an RCMP check every day. As far as our RCMP legal gun license, we're checked every day. And if there's a crime reported on our license of goodbye license, goodbye guns, right? And we're the most law-abiding citizens. And I can't believe that nobody's really putting it out there that the problem is the crime. Gary in Etobicoke called to air his concerns around the license plate sticker rebates. Obviously, everybody can use money and and it's going to go back into the economy. But uh, I talked to a friend of mine who who doesn't drive. He takes the bus. He buys a, you know, a Metro Pass. He didn't get money back. no. You know, and and all that money that could have gone towards roads and transit, um, you know, I, you know, the the cynical part of me says that's uh, you know chapter three of the playbook. Wave, wave the carrot, eh? And now, fightbacks knockout call of the week. There were a lot of great calls this week, but the winner of the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week is Pat in Toronto, who phoned about Premier Doug Ford's decision to rebate license plate sticker fees. Everybody looking right past the issue that all of the COVID, and by relaxing the rules as Doug Ford did, is costing all of us many, many millions of dollars. Every person in the hospital is probably costing us $10,000 to $20,000 for their, even if their four-day stay runs into those sort of numbers. So everybody seems to think that the money drops out of the sky, and it doesn't. And and that's why we should be imposing all these things. And yes, I got back $610 or $620, and I thought, and does he think I am that dumb that I'm going to vote for him by getting that money? I'm going to go exactly the opposite way. I'm going to vote for the Green Party. Because okay. in, in 50 years, and I won't be here in 50 years, we won't have a country. We won't have a planet. That does it for this week's Best of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. If you'd like to qualify for the Fight Back Knockout Call of the Week, phone us noon to one weekdays. Or if you have a comment, email us at fightback at zoomer.ca. Follow us on Twitter at Fightback Libby and call our Fightback voicemail anytime at 416-367-9636. I'm Jane Brown. Join us again next weekend when we'll round up the best of Fight Back. The best of Fight Back is produced by Jane Brown, Justin Eacock, and Zeev Hadi with technical production by Kelly Robotham. Executive producer, Moses Neimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.